When I woke up, my first thought was that I was a ghost. I saw my breath leaving my body, swirling up into heat and mist and dancing away on the lakes of the air. I thought it was my soul departing my flesh. Then I realized that was probably unreasonable. I could still feel my flesh, could tell my mind to twitch a part of my body and it would comply to my demand. I realized soon after that it was exceptionally cold. I couldn't have named the month, being in the post-wake stage of cognition as I was, but I knew it shouldn't have been that cold. I dreaded leaving the warmth of my bed, but I knew I soon had to. I had a Nolan to deal with, a book to find. I made a compromise with my bed and wrapped the blankets around me like a cape, taking them with me when I finally convinced myself to rise. As a child, I had often let myself into my mother's room. The master bedroom of the house is on the same level as my own, just a bathroom separating the two. When I was smaller, it felt like a thrill to sneak over to that room, squeak open the door, tiptoe inside. It felt like, surely, if my mother were to come alive for anything, it would be this act of trespassing. She never did, of course. To be honest, there's no reason to think of that room as being hers. There's no furniture in it. It's a blank beige box. A large space, but empty. A museum gallery in between exhibitions. I could move in if I wanted. Nobody would stop me. I'd have more space, but something about thinking that just feels wrong, and so I don't, and I stay in my own room. I went into it that day, clutching my blanket cape around me, and I didn't feel like that thrilled child I once was. I felt tired, mostly. Confused and excited and terrified. My mind kept replaying the conversation with Mabel over and over. My ancestor, the cursed book, Nolan's soul aching for rest that I could not give him. There were brief intermissions though, where I thought about you and your gift and your burning brown eyes. Those were welcome distractions. The room was empty. Layers of dust coated the floor and the large window facing the backyard. It made the trees beyond look like green and yellow smudges. The room was empty. I went over to the closet, letting my blanket cape create a trail behind me in the dust. I told myself I'd wash it later even though I knew I probably wouldn't. Bigger fish, you know. I went to the closet and opened the doors. There was less dust inside there. In the corner of the closet cut into the roof is an access panel for the attic. There's a pull rope that hangs down from it and if you yank it, the panel opens and a ladder folds down to allow you access upwards. I pulled the rope.
I'd only ever bothered to visit the attic once before. The pull rope had eluded me for many years, being just out of reach to my short limbs. When I finally sprouted up in my teenage years, I suddenly remembered the fascination I'd had with the attic. I'd been able to reach it at last. I bruised my arm because I didn't leave enough space for the ladder. Then, when I reached the top, everything was clouded in dust and mothballs and sheets and darkness, and I could not make myself enter more than a few steps before backing out. This time seemed just as daunting. The dust and mothballs and sheets and darkness had held their places through the years, solid and steady. My blanket cape and I slapped the status quo of the space on its face. I used my phone as a flashlight to help cut through some of the gloom. The items all around me draped over with sheets resembled ghosts playing the most bizarre otherworldly version of red light green light. Like if I turned my back on them, they'd try to cheat and move, but as long as I stared at them, the rules held true. So I stared. I looked at each ghost in turn, guessing at what lay beneath the wrinkled off-white cloths. There was a couch, and a few lamps, and what looked like an entire water cooler you'd find in a generic office space. A couple of potted plants with their leaves chewed to green threads by whatever bugs called this attic their home. Most of the space was taken up by a dining table and some chairs. The chairs didn't match, but they were all bundled together as a set. I found in the far corner a sheet that looked to be covering a smaller squatter table. I kicked at it, and the underneath wasn't hollow as a table should be. I knelt and slid the sheet back, shivering as my blanket slipped from my shoulders. It wasn't a table, but a chest. There was a padlock on it, but it was so badly rusted it needed only a little force to squeak open. The chest opened on horribly creaky hinges. The sound caught my heart and shook it with fear. I thought for a second that would break the game for the other ghosts and they'd all unfreeze and run to tag me. They didn't. I looked into the chest. The inside of the chest was lined with velvet, formerly red, but worn almost black with time. Inside, there were only a few things, though the chest had the capacity for many more. There were two knives, which glinted in the glow of my flashlight like the hungry eyes of an inhuman thing watching you in the night. Next to them, there was a book, which made my pulse race with excitement. Could this really be it? Here? Right where I looked first? Of course not. That would not be much of a story at all, right, Amy? No, this book, when I held it closer to my light, did not say, All the answers you're looking for, Viera, on the cover. Instead, it said, Memories, in a very ugly, dated, and overly sprawling script that paired very nicely with the floral print pattern of the cover material. Unimpressed, but mildly hopeful, I opened it up. It was a photo album. The pages were staticky and wanted to stick together, but I pushed them apart anyway, 
There ought to be something useful in there. It took me about 20 photos to figure out that this album belonged to my mother. I only did realize it when I looked at one picture and recognized a young Mabel staring up at me. The girl next to her I did not recognize. This was the first time I had ever seen my mother's face. The book slipped from my hands and landed on the ground, kicking up a dust cloud that filled my lungs. Whether I was choking on that dust or on my own emotions, I couldn't tell. My hands shook, but I picked the album back up. I didn't feel cold anymore. I started at the beginning of the album, this time searching every face and memorizing that of my mother's eagerly taking in features that shifted over time, and how she looked more like the man I assumed was her father than the woman I inferred was her mother. And how as she got older, she looked more and more like I do now, and how her nose leaned a little to the left, and how she had a nose. I felt... I don't know, giddy? Giddy. I felt strange and strangely wonderful. I almost forgot why I'd been up in the attic to begin with. What had led me to the album. I spent a long while there, looking at every picture and wondering how she had gone from a normal and relatively happy child to someone who just sat in a chair in the kitchen, unmoving. When I finally remembered what I was supposed to be doing, I closed the album, but held it pressed to my stomach keep the book and my fluttering guts from escaping. I looked back into the chest. The only other thing to see inside was an indentation set into the velvet. There used to be something heavy there, heavy and squarish. Another book. The imprint was a brighter red than the rest of the velvet. At first I thought that was just because it was a particularly well-preserved imprint, but then I ran my fingers along the edges of it, and they came back crimson. I hadn't felt any injury, so I knew it wasn't blood. I figured, then, that it had to be dye. The book that had been in there was red. In the corner of the chest, crumpled so that I almost didn't see, was a torn bit of paper, presumably from the missing book. It was just a corner strip, so all it said was, Ringerb, and which was not a helpful thing for it to say at all. I thought about this a second and remembered something. In one of the photographs I'd memorized, my mother had been holding a heavy red book. I opened the album again, and sure enough, I found five images of my mother with a red book bigger than her head. Two of them showed her writing in it. One of them looked like she was trying not to let the picture take or photograph it, and the other two were duplicates of the same image. They were the last two in the album. In it, my mother stood with her back to the camera. Her arms were raised in some sort of action. There was something like fog all around her, but I could just make out the shapes of pews. She was in a church. I leaned in closer, and I read from a dedication plate on one pew that she was in a church called Glorious Ascension. I had never heard of that. The 
book, assuming this was the book that Mabel thought we'd need, seemed so close, but so far away. I took the album, my blanket, and both knives for good measure, and I left the attic. I called you, and you answered on the first ring. I explained what I'd found, and you said, Glorious Ascension, that church they turned into a coffee house. And I said, huh? You explained that a few years ago, Glorious Ascension tanked and was converted into a coffee house called the Roasted Rooster. They'd kept the original structure and some relics for atmosphere. You said they probably kept the book if it was still there when they took over. I asked how we'd get it if they had it. You laughed. I have an in, you said. Let me come over. 